The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. It's important that we don't just rush by some joyful or, or delightful experience, that we take it in, because that is where replenishment comes from. And sometimes we feel we don't deserve happiness or there's too much pain around us and it's frivolous, it's wrong. So sometimes it's a very conscious effort to challenge some very deep assumptions we can hold. And and that's worth doing. Welcome to Thursday. If you've been listening this week, you know we've been downloading some wisdom from one of the OGs of the meditation world, Sharon Salzberg, about how to manage difficult emotions like fear, guilt, anger, envy. And if you haven't been listening, you can find all those previous episodes in your podcast feed or on the Next Big Idea app. Anyway, today Sharon's going to pivot a bit to talk about positive emotions like joy, gratitude, and one of my favorites, love. We all get to enjoy these feelings from time to time, but you know what? We don't just have to wait for good feelings to sweep over us. In her book, Real Life, Sharon offers techniques for generating these states of mind, and cultivating positive emotions carries tremendous benefits. Cultivating positive states creates resilience. Author and activist Sojourner Truth said, Life is a hard battle anyway. If we laugh and sing a little as we fight the good fight of freedom, it makes it all go easier. I will not allow my life's light to be determined by the darkness around me. This quote reminds me that a primary ingredient in transforming our relationship to painful experiences is to have enough light to surround the darkness a space big enough to hold the pain and not collapse into it. We can cultivate that space by taking time to practice positive states, such as gratitude, awe, serenity, hope, or loving kindness. According to researcher Barbara Fredrickson, who specializes in positive states, these qualities aren't just feel-good states, but they actually help us broaden our scope of awareness so we can experience a wider array of thoughts, actions, and perceptions. They also build a sense of inner resource, of available strength. This gives us a deeper resiliency to meet life, whatever comes our way. This is interesting. I think it's sort of a a different point than what we've been talking about, because so far we've really been talking mostly about recognizing being aware of what's going on and being curious about it. But now you're suggesting that we actually try to cultivate a different state than the one we might be currently in. And one of the pushbacks on this that I think some people find this to be an invitation to be inauthentic, Mm -hmm. you know, that, well, like either I feel grateful or I don't, I'm not going to talk myself into feeling it. I can't Mm -hmm. make myself feel love if it's not happening. And if I do, it's kind of fake. How how do you respond to people who might have that attitude? Well, I agree with them, actually. You know, (laughs) I don't think we're making ourselves feel anything or we shouldn't, you know, it's like, it doesn't make any sense. But I see a lot of these states well, maybe all of them, (laughs) as emerging properties of how we pay attention. Hmm. 
And if we're interested in making the experiment, it's not a question of coercion or force, but intentionality and experimenting. We see what happens when we pay attention differently than what we're used to. And that can also be understanding that I have a rut, you know, like I have a habit and it hasn't altered in all these years. And it's important to to note, we're not talking about moving from a true place to a phony place, but moving from perhaps a true place to another true place that gets very little airtime, you know, and then we see what happens. So gratitude is a great example of that. You know, many people I've read say that to develop gratitude, at the end of the day, write down three things that mm-hmm. you're grateful for from the day. And I always say in encouraging this, both that it doesn't have to be grandiose or magnificent. It could be something really seemingly small. And also, this does not come naturally to me, that my own personal conditioning, my family's conditioning, my cultural conditioning is such that I'm so much more likely to come to the end of the day and see what I can complain about. I didn't show up in the way that I wanted to. That person disappointed me. And that's just where my attention will go out of habit. So sometimes I say, in effect, anything else happened today? Uh-huh. Anything good? Uh-huh. So it's not denying you know, what's difficult or disappointing, but what else happened today that I overlooked just out of habit, that I, I glance at barely, if at all? And if I think, what do I have to be grateful for? It comes, and I notice how that feels. And taken together, that's a better picture of the day. And let's talk about some of the specific tools I, I think you recommend or that you hear people using like a gratitude journal, yeah. or as uh-huh. you said, you know, sort of trying to list three things. I've tried that and I don't do it anymore. It did start to feel a little artificial to me in mm-hmm. a way, but I do think it kind of prompted me, even though I don't do it on a regular basis, it, it did prompt me to now just be a little more tuned into that feeling, you know, that, mm-hmm. that grateful feeling in the moment I'm experiencing it and kind of re- recording it for myself in real time, you know, like, ah, oh, that's, that's a really beautiful mm-hmm. mountain I'm looking at that's and right. not just rushing past it, but like letting that sink in for a mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of it will depend on what else is going on. Like when, you know, we talk about gratitude, the thing that came to my mind was doom scrolling. Right. You know, so what if you're spending your day getting more and more demoralized and it's consequential and you think, okay, let me spend a few minutes, you know, exploring the opposite. Or in terms of gratitude, I've also had students who said to me, I found a gratitude buddy. Mm -hmm. I'm going to text each other every day, just one thing that we're grateful for, you know, and that gave it a different kind of energy. It's important, what you described is very important, that we don't just rush by some joyful or or delightful experience, that we take it in, because that is where replenishment comes from. And sometimes uh, we feel we don't deserve happiness or there's too much pain around us and it's frivolous, it's wrong. So sometimes it's a very conscious effort to challenge some very deep assumptions we can hold. And and that's worth doing. Yeah, some deep habits, that sort of default network in the brain that just yeah. by its nature just wants to notice problems and worry about the problems and figure out the solutions. And that's a very important function of our brain. But if you just are only doing that and not noticing the beauty around you or appreciating the person you're talking to, you you can really make a a wrong turn 
And one of the things I love about Barbara Fredrickson's work and her theory of broaden and build is that she really makes the point. It's not like cultivating these states. It's not just like lying on the couch and thinking, I'm so pleasant. You know, my life is so pleasant. Yeah, right. It's what's known as the Fredrickson broaden and build theory that as we strengthen these states like gratitude and loving kindness, our perspective broadens that sense of being constricted, trapped, you know, in a room with the door shut. We can't breathe. We have no options. That actually expands. And the other part of it is the build part in her broaden and build theory, which is that it builds our sense of inner resource, of inner strength. And you don't really want to be meeting the next challenge or adversity in your life with nothing. For, for our listeners who might not be familiar, could you just briefly describe what loving-kindness meditation is, how sure. that works? Loving-kindness meditation is it's, its own method of meditation where we actually might silently repeat certain phrases. It's like a practice of generosity with spirit. You might call someone to mind, and the phrases could be something like, may you be safe, be happy, live with ease of heart. And we make that offering through the repeated phrasing of it, not through force, and not trying to make yourself feel something or deny any other feeling, but kind of checking it out. Like, what happens when, instead of looking through this person, I look at them and think, may you be happy, may your life work out, something like that. And yeah. interestingly enough, the first recipient in the classical meditation is ourselves. Which can be hard. It's very hard. And building on that, we offer loving kindness to those we really care about, those we hardly know, those we find difficulty with. And here you have to really understand what it is and what it isn't, and ultimately to all of life. There are some other ideas that come up in your book. There's one you describe as spiritual bypassing. Mm -hmm. There's another of toxic positivity. I think mm -hmm. that might be from Scott Barry Kaufman. Yeah, yeah. Is this something to watch out for too, that if you're getting too invested in just being, oh, I'm so spiritual and everything's so wonderful and I love everybody, that you're actually not <laughs> acting in a wise way. No, of course. I mean, we can get very identified with these things and it's a balance. You know, it's like we spent, you know, quite a bit of time looking at difficult states and that's a part of the reality. And we want both. You know, you don't want to only be paying attention to what's painful. And you don't want to only be paying attention to what's joyful because life is both. And and it's not going to happen anyway. You know, you can't, you sort of can't manage that. Thanks for listening, everyone. Maybe we can all work a little bit on cultivating positive emotional states while not pushing away the negative ones. And let's do it together, because as Sharon will tell us tomorrow, connecting with others is ultimately what it's all about. Speaking of which, if you'd like to join our community, you can sign up at nextbigideaclub.com. Among the offerings you'll find there is our hardcover box subscription, where you'll get eight books a year sent to you as chosen by our curators, Adam Grant, Malcolm Gladwell, Susan Kane, and Dan Pink. You'll also get exclusive e-courses and audio and video and lots of other goodies. Go to nextbideaclub.com and use the code DAILY to get 10% off. Thanks, and see you tomorrow.